Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Remember when we were driving, driving in 
Central.com. Uh-huh. It's all about Fast Cars today. One of my favorite, all-time favorite songs, Tracy Chapman, Fast Cars. But, um, no, Fast Cars? No, Fast Car. I've got Michelle Dave. It's the third Wednesday. It's close to payday. This is how you know it's close to payday. If Michelle's in the studio, it's close to payday. So I'm super excited to have Michelle here, but I'm even more excited to have you here, Jane. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and uh, welcome to all the listeners. So I, I am going to start by sharing with everybody, Jane, that today is a very special day Yay. for Jane. It's not her birthday. <laughs> Better granddaughter's birthday. <laughs> so Thank you. Very exciting for us. Jane, financial and insurance executive at McCarthy, Bidvest McCarthy. It's a mouthful, hey? It's a huge mouthful. So what exactly do you do? We have uh, probably 140-odd dealerships, and we have um, staff members on all the floors who are finance and insurance advisors. Um, I'm glad to announce that 85% of them are women. Womanla. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we look after the businesses to make sure that they behave, that they are legislated. We look at um, training. We look at making sure that they are equipped. We look at new schemes. We look at new insurance products. So it's basically I coordinate that part of the business. Okay, so you're definitely the right person to have here. I was talking to Michelle. Kanako and I, Kanako is my son. Kanako and I play this game in the car. It, it sometimes drives me crazy, but it keeps him busy where we count cars. So you pick a car and then I pick a car, he picks a car and we count to 10. The first person that gets to 10 that finds 10 of their car wins. And this is, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I can imagine. It's a lot of fun with an eight year old, right? <laughs> But what that has done is it sensitized me to the cars that are on the road. And I was talking to a friend of mine about Porsche Cayennes, right? Because I come from a time when like a Porsche on the road was like, whoa, look at that Porsche. Correct. But you see Porsches everywhere now. So I thought to myself, I wonder if Porsches have become cheaper or what's going on. So I went to the Porsche site and was horrified to find that (laughs) Porsches cost on average about 1.2 million. And that's why you're here. Because I thought, how the hell do people afford these cars? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Michelle's favorite thing is about saving. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I know I drive everybody nuts. I'm always talking about saving and we're always talking about debt redemption and we're talking about don't get into debt and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I said to, and unfortunately I read an extremely interesting article this weekend, <laughs> which talks about, do you live within your means? Mm-hmm. Do you live above your means? But this article spoke about living below your means. Correct. And that just kind of really got me going. And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to go and tell Pumi. And she's going to say, oh, no, not another thing that I've got to think of. <laughs> but, Jane, it, it really got me thinking about women do not buy cars based on very many things. We don't ask a lot of questions. We just want to look cute in our car. Yep. You know, we just want to look cute in our car. So that's why you're here. Because I thought... What should we be thinking about mm. when you walk into a dealership or even I know you guys also have um, secondhand dealerships, right? Correct. When you walk in to buy a secondhand car and no Uber's there, but South Africans still like their own cars. We still like to be driving our own cars. And you know, and if you're living in the hood, if you're living in the township and you're driving to Santon every day for work and you're dropping kids off at school, having your own car is way better than being in a taxi. Correct. And way more comfortable. And it's actually funny that you should say that because we started to see a trend in South Africa. South Africans historically have been hyped up on ownership of a vehicle. Mm. And in general, it actually never happens because after a couple of years, they trade and upgrade or change the vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. And if you look at the UK and the European market, people don't own vehicles. They lease them. So they keep them for a couple of years, trade them in. Recycle, return, change vehicles, upgrade, downgrade, whatever they want to do. And we're starting to see a trend in, in, in the market where people are going for shorter terms, higher residuals, and they keep turning the vehicles. It, yeah, can I ask that question? Because <laughs> just explain to us what do you mean by shorter terms? Are we talking a three-year term, a two-year term? How does it normally work? Just just run us past that because I think that leasing is extremely interesting. Correct. But the residual is always something that's worried me. Mm. And Even how does that leasing, work? You see, because I'm yeah. old school like that. You know, I like to own my Yes, stuff. it needs to be mine. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> my name. My name. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember that a vehicle is a depreciating asset. Mm. It's not an appreciating asset. Sure. So do you really want to own it? Um, a residual value, and I'm going to just throw in, there's, there's a term that's also known as a balloon payment. Yes. Okay, which is different to a residual value in that the balloon payment is the customer's responsibility. A residual value is normally the responsibility of either the bank or the dealer or the manufacturer, depending on the scheme and, and the way that it's been set up. Um, and all that it really is, it's it's a portion of the initial capital that's been delayed to your final payment. So that's at end premium. It's the end premium. Oh, so okay. so if you if you find if you bought a car for a hundred thousand and you did a thirty percent residual stroke balloon, um, you'd pay off effectively seventy thousand for the for the period, and your final payment would be thirty thousand. So it's just delaying the capital payment. That's remember we spoke about this, and we said that that last payment may not be the amount that you've been paying. It could be quite a bit more. Remember we spoke yeah. about this last year. So I'm shocked and horrified right now. <laughs> Don't be shocked. I'm extremely shocked, right? <laughs> there are a lot of people who finance with residuals and balloons. Just Okay, so the residual is not the same as a balloon. No. How are they different to each other? Okay, it depends. The, the, the difference really is who is responsible for that amount. Okay, so what happens is that 
a customer might decide to finance over X period with a balloon payment to reduce their monthly installments for the, for the initial term of the contract. Thinking that at, when that last payment comes due, what I'll do is I'll trade in, settle the balloon, and off I go. There are a lot of schemes that are in place at the moment where the OEMs, which the manufacturers, sorry for the terminology. What is, yeah, what's the OEM? Okay. <laughs> Original equipment manufacturer. All right. Okay, so the manufacturers have got schemes running um, where there are shorter terms with residual value where they guarantee that end payment amount. So that lump sum payment at the end, they guarantee it. Um there are certain uh, requirements for that for that residual value to be redeemed, um, and there are normally mileage limitations. Uh, there's a condition report that gets filled out at the end. They deduct for accident damage and all sorts of things. But but that is that is that is done with the client up front when that agreement is entered into. So then the, the 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 end payment, you literally walk into a dealership and you say, "Here's my vehicle. I want a new one." And the manufacturer, dealer, or bank takes responsibility for that residual value. So it is. So that car is actually never going to be yours. No. Correct. That's a leasing kind of. Um, a lot of the schemes are done on installment sales, but with the way that when the NCA came into being, they changed the way that vehicles are financed. Um, in the old days, legislation was you could only finance over a maximum of fifty-four months. You mm-hmm. had to have a ten percent deposit, no irregular payments, which includes a balloon or a residual yeah. value. When the NCA came in, uh, they dropped the deposit requirements. They said you can go to. This 60. is the consumer what what? Yeah, national, consumer, yeah, consumer national Act. consumer. What Act. is it? National Consumer Act. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So now you can do whatever you can. You can structure. All right. So I wants. go. So I go now, and I say okay. I only own, or like, yes, I own, say, 15,000 rand a month. Mm-hmm. However, I want to buy a car that's going to cost me 300,000. Mm-hmm. And I say to the guy, but you know what? My budget allows me to pay 3,000 rand a month on a car. Correct. Is this what we're saying? So he can actually structure it in such Correct. a way that the 3,000 rand will be payable over a five-year term. Correct. However, the balloon payment at the end of the five years could be 30,000 rand. Correct. Holy oh, crap. But what I also understand, Jane, <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. important, girls, this is important. Yeah. So what I also understand is that if you choose the balloon payment, Correct. You, you pay the 30,000 rand at the end of your five years or whatever, but then you own that car. You can do that. Um, so there are three options at the end. You can either trade the vehicle in and get into a new vehicle and let the, the, so the, the 30,000 kind comes of, out of your goes, trade and price. Yeah, goes forward. Or... If you are cash flush, you can settle it in cash or there are options to refinance that residual. So you can then enter into a further, a secondary agreement to refinance that 30,000 that's sitting at the end or whatever that amount is. So you're a financial advisor. You're on the shop floor Mm. and I walk in. We don't talk about my car on this show, okay? There's a lot of like emotions about my car. <laughs> so, we talk about my car, but I walk in in my car that I can't trade in. I can't trade in. I don't have money for a deposit, and I want a new car. What should I be saying to you about this new car that I need, and what should I be asking myself about a? And what should I be asking myself about affordability? 
I just had a whole like <laughs> period of. I didn't. So my mic was off, and I'm just asking about. What do I ask when I walk okay. in to buy a new car? I've never had a or I've never had a car before. First time car owner, okay. like person. Okay. What should I be asking? What should I be asking the dealer? And what should I be asking myself about affordability? Okay. I think the important um, thing to remember is that part of this whole sales process is that there will be a sales executive who will sell you the car. It's important to find out, do you want manual, automatic, two doors, four doors? They'll do a brief analysis of, of what you what you should be paying or you can tell them what you want to pay. A lot of customers do their assessment online so they kind of know what they can afford. Um, part of the process that I find very, very important is that you get to the finance and insurance manager as quickly as possible because they are highly qualified people and they are trained to tailor make a package specific to each individual customer. So there's no one answer to financing a vehicle. There are, there are lots of options. But the finance and insurance manager will be able to give you these are your options, option one, two, three, and four. And I think that one of the other things to bear in mind when you're buying a car and you're looking at your installment, remember that on top of your installment, which is the repayment back to the bank, you've got to take out comprehensive insurance. You've got to take maintenance into consideration. You've got to take fuel into consideration. So when you're budgeting to buy a car, you've got to look at all of that stuff. Mm. Um, because you don't want to have this fancy K and Porsche in your garage, but you can't afford the fuel. Correct. So, um, and part of having a finance agreement is you have to have comprehensive insurance. Um, and the reason for that is that the bank owns the vehicle until it's paid off. So they are the title holders to the vehicle. So there has to be motor comprehensive, fully comprehensive insurance on the vehicle. So you can't skip on that. Can I ask a question on that? Because that's something that's always fascinated me. And I've seen it in practice where somebody will take out the comprehensive insurance. They will go to have the car validated, if you want to put it that way, you know, so that the insurance yeah. kicks yeah, in yeah. and the lease is then put in place and everything goes forward. Then the guy keeps the, the insurance going maybe for two or three months mm. and they cancel it. How is that checked? Because if it is actually owned by the bank, what happens? So the bank does um, – so, so first of all, uh, most of the insurance companies have arrangements with the finance houses that if a customer cancels their insurance, they are to notify the bank. So, okay. So when, when our dealerships are financing a vehicle for a customer, they get the confirmation. It notes the bank's interest. Okay. So that insurance company is obliged to notify the bank this customer has cancelled the insurance. The bank will then contact the customer, and the customer has got X period to give to proof of insurance because yeah. they might have cancelled with one insurer to go with a different insurer okay. or whatever the case might be. Um, but that comprehensive insurance has to be in place has at to be all times. At all times, okay, yeah. because it's owned by the bank. Correct. Okay. But now, so insurance in place. I don't know what keeps happening here. So the insurance is in place. Um, the You've checked the fuel. You've checked all of those things. Correct. And you have 5,000 rands. Now we know fuel goes up every... <laughs> you know, every fuel second goes up Wednesday. Every second Wednesday. Every, <laughs> every month the fuel is going up and goes down by 5%. Um, then there's uh, interest rates. 
every second yeah. month going up and down. Mm. How does that, what should I make sure to know that what I, what I agree to today is what it will be two years from today, you yeah. know, that in two months time, because I think what a lot of people also do is they have an amount, they have yeah. 5,000 rands and this is their amount. Two, we've spoken about this with Michelle on numerous occasions, two, four months, six months down the line, MPC get together, mm. interest rates go up, everything goes yeah. out the window because, so how do, how does one protect against such things? Can so, you with a car? You can. So um, there is an option when you are entering a finance agreement to take either a, an interest rate that's linked to the movement of prime. So as prime moves up and down, your installment will go up and down. Okay. There is also an option to take a fixed interest rate, which means that if you sign for 3,000 Rand today, that is what you're going to pay on your vehicle installment for the full term of the contract. Um, just to mention that, that a fixed interest rate will always be slightly higher than a linked interest rate only because of the cost of borrowing. So on the linked business, the, the banks are borrowing on a short-term basis. To borrow on a long-term basis is more expensive for the banks, so that is charged on with the fixed interest. Um, but the the difference in the installment is not huge. Um, and if you're a customer that can't afford an extra 400 rand on your installment, if the prime rate goes up three points or whatever the case might be, then opt for a fixed rate because then you know what you're in for and you can budget Bearing in mind as well as annually you're going to be faced with annual salary increases, hopefully. Hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, with, you know, the inflationary, we're in an inflationary market. So, so a fixed interest rate might be an option uh, for a lot of people. And I'm actually starting to see an increase um, on our book with the banks, um, with the fixed rate number of deals being done fixed versus linked. It has increased dramatically. So you do this all day, every day. And have been for however long. Do people come in and they actually can't afford the car that they want? And then <laughs> I see that smile. <laughs> it's a very, very good point, Pumi. And I, I think that we all want to drive a Porsche Cayenne. We all want to drive hey, hey. whatever the manufacturer <laughs> is. Um, but it's important, as I said before, to to budget and take everything into consideration and make sure that it's comfortably affordable um, because you don't want to get into a situation where your credit rating is negatively affected because now you can't afford this and you can't afford that and the car gets repossessed, etc., etc. And, you know, I see a lot of times um, where customers might come in and they'll say, well, this is my budget, but I want that car. And that <laughs> car actually costs... Six thousand. So to get the customer into the car, they're now doing seventy-two month terms with balloon payments, and that client's locked into that car for so much longer. So just remember that the the longer the term you financed, and especially when you've got a balloon, uh, the reduction of your capital to a point where your capital and your vehicle are worth the same is far longer than if you do a shorter term with no balloon or no residual. Okay. But residuals and balloons have their place in the market. Talk to me. You have to tell me about that because I'm not quite convinced about residuals and balloons. <clears throat> so if, if you buy in a vehicle and you know that you're going to be trading it in in three years' time, there's nothing wrong with financing over a 60-month period with a balloon. You're going to get out of that vehicle in 36 months. 
Remember that when a vehicle is traded, apart from a couple of other factors, there are a couple of, a couple of factors that are important. What is the vehicle worth versus the settlement? Ah, uh, that's exactly what I was just going to ask you because that's something I think people also need to take in consideration. Correct. So if I buy something for a hundred thousand, yeah. I'm actually not paying a hundred thousand. I'm paying a hundred and fifty thousand. Correct. Yeah. So I think that's that's where we're going to, and I Correct. think people don't get that. So I didn't buy the car for a hundred. I bought it for a hundred and fifty because of the interest. Yeah. Because you're financing interest. You're financing interest. The interest. Okay. Yeah. And remember, on a finance agreement, when you start off, you you reduce your interest before your capital. Mm. So to illustrate that, um, month one, you pay 3,000 rand. 99% of that is interest, 1% is capital. Month two, you pay 3,000 rand. 98% is interest, 2% is capital. And then you get to a stage where you start to really reduce your capital, which is where your trade-in and your settle amount start to meet. Um, and that's really where you need to be trading. Um, is, there, is there an optimal period? Where the, where those two things meet, because I I think I now understand what you're saying, and it's it's about understanding the value of this vehicle mm. that you've got, correct, and how much you can still get for it. If you're also depreciation, so depreciation, if yeah, yes, because and it's not worth a hundred thousand in a year's time, and when it's not worth a hundred thousand as you drive it out the shop floor. Yeah. <laughs> correct, correct, um, and probably the, the 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 biggest depreciation happens in the first year. So what also is important, and I can't give you a one-size-fits-all answers mm. on when is for the sure. trade-in. For, for sure. sure. But for sure. in general, if you finance 60 months with a balloon payment or a residual value, whatever the case might be, you're looking at between 36 and 42 months is the optimum time to trade. But remember, the trade-in value also depends on mileage, condition, condition of, of the vehicle, yeah. Full service history. Sure. There are a lot of other factors that, that come into that. Um, and also the popularity of that vehicle. How is, how easy is it to, to retail it? What is going to, what is going to be the demand, um, on that particular vehicle? So that all gets taken into consideration. Yeah, like the vehicle's if it's a BMW, no one's buying it after three years. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because everybody's, because BMW changes their cars all the time. So three-year-old BMW looks ancient. Yeah, I think that, that there's always a market for, for pre-owned vehicles. Um, and there's always a willing buyer. So there's a market for everything. There will be a buyer. There's a car for everybody and there's a buyer for every car. There's no question in my mind. Those cars get turned and they get sold. And we're, so we're talking a lot about new cars right now. Yeah. We're, and, and kind of financing a brand new car, getting into a, a brand new car on a on a dealer floor. What are the questions that one needs to the in your experience, the questions that, that women never ask that should be asked about financing a vehicle. Correct. What are those questions that, that we can kind of if you write them down now, next time you go in to buy a car, do ask these questions. Mm. You you need to ask um what term am I financing? Am I looking at a linked or a fixed rate? What are the differences? What is the difference in installments? And I'll give you an example. If you do a 72-month agreement or you do a 60-month agreement with a balloon. I don't even know what 72 months is. is six that, years. Like six years. Okay. Six years. Or if you do a five-year with a balloon or a residual, the installment will be more or less the same. Uh, there's going to be no – there won't be much difference in that. Um, 
But to have a look at the options and, and especially at the moment, there are a lot of manufacturer schemes running at the moment and special schemes where the installments are quite attractive um, that could suit the pocket. But the consumer needs to be fully aware of all the terms and conditions mm. and they need to be spending time with the finance and insurance advisor on the floor and they need enough time. What tends to happen is that the average consumer gets so excited about taking delivery of their new baby they kind of fob the finance and insurance person off and the finance and insurance person's trying to explain stuff and they're not listening. Let me just sign. Let me just no, sign. Let me just sign. Let me yeah. sign. Let me sign. And the finance and insurance manager will push to say, hang on, slow down, calm down. You need to spend a bit of time with me. So if the finance and insurance manager is involved with the transaction from right from the beginning. So when the, when the consumer comes in and wants that car, they need to start talking to the finance so we can get through the nitty gritties and the time consuming stuff so that when the, when you come in for your delivery, it's quick, quick. We've already discussed everything. You already understand everything. Um, and it's a case of then we can do sign, sign, yeah. sign because you have been explained all the terms and conditions and the implications. So, you know, my, my thing about terms and conditions is there 50 pages of small print of terms and conditions. <laughs> I think, I think that what is, what has started to happen in, in the finance contracts, um, that I start to see now and any of the sort of terms and conditions on insurance policies, it's got to be in plain and explainable language. Mm. Um, and it's dummy down yeah, for a very, it has it's, been. It's, it's really very mm. good. So it's a lot more, it's not in Latin anymore. Mm. Um, now I'm showing my age, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mean they were actually, in Latin? <laughs> but, but it's not in, it's not in that funny legalese. Um, it's in very plain and understandable language. And, and what the finance and insurance managers will do is that they will go into the title of that section and then they will verbalize mm. what it actually means. Okay. I just wanted to ask Jane, if a person comes in, you obviously have to do a credit check. Correct. And how does that affect, obviously, the transaction between the salesperson and the client? Because there has to be that that section. Does the salesperson actually then do the credit check? Do they give it over to your finance people Correct. and they do that credit check? Correct. And then how does that work? So so what, what transpires is that um, credit check, the, cons- the customer has to consent to, first of all. Correct. And if they don't, what then happens? What happens then? We can't do a credit okay, check and perfect. then we cannot proceed with a finance That's application. That's what I want to know. Okay, you so can't. then it stops. No, then it, it stops, stops there. Credit- huh? <laughs> so, so, so remember that the, the bank is lending the customer money um, and they've got to assess their risk in lending that money to that customer, be it good or bad. They have to do a credit check on the customer. To assess that And the, the nice thing now About the credit checks Is that it doesn't Just show negative things Like defaults Judgments It also <laughs> shows It also shows The positive side Of that consumer um, In that their payment profile Is taken into consideration now And there's a score Called an Empirica score Which rates you as A good payer Or whatever the case might be So you might have A doctor's judgment For 25 rand Yeah But Everywhere else on your profile, you've got a superb profile. The bank will overlook that. And what about people that are salaried earners as opposed to commission earners? How does that impact your credit checking? So in terms of the, the credit checking, it doesn't change. They still get scored and they still would get the, the, the credit checking. Mm-hmm. The difference between a commission earner, so, so if the person is majority commission 
um, incentivized versus a salaried earner, yes. the commission earner would get scored as a self-employed. All right. So that that criteria is a little bit more stringent. Correct. Than a private individual who's on yeah. salary. That's interesting because I think people need to be very aware of that. It's a, well, look, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in, and and like I said, you know, we're we're talking about financing. We're talking about how to pay for your dream car and what you should be looking out for. My biggest thing today has been the residual versus the balloon. But when we come back, I think I want to talk about financing secondhand cars because there's also a big market, like you said, Jane, Very for secondhand market. cars. But how can one finance that? So we'll talk about that when we come back. Business leaders around the globe are committing to building a better world for everyone. CliffCentral.com is joining forces with the Sympathy Sleepout, taking a stand for the plight of the homeless. We invite you to participate with us in the Sympathy Sleepout on the 28th of July, 2016. Join the ranks of leaders of change by using your influence for what truly matters. Sign up now for the Sympathy Sleepout on www.theceosleepoutza.co.za. That's theceosleepoutza.co.za. This is cliffcentral.com. Romandla on cliffcentral.com. And if you can't stand the rain and want to drive your own car, this is the show you should be listening to. We're talking about financing cars. We're talking about what you should be asking more than just, does this car make me look cute? Which is an important question. Important question, girls. But does it make your wallet look cute? I've got Michelle Dave in the studio because it's a couple of days before payday. <laughs> Whenever you're listening to this, you must just know that it's actually to remind you of payday yes. and what not to spend your money yeah. on. Hey, Michelle. Live below budget. <laughs> <laughs> Live below that paycheck. Live below that paycheck. But I've also got Jane Sterling from Bitvest McCarthy chatting to us about financing your baby financing that dream we've been talking a lot about financing a brand new car yeah and i've always wondered a demo and a, a second-hand car or a used car are they the same thing a demo is a newer used car so what happens in in the operations is that because we're selling vehicles on the new car showrooms we need to be able to let customers demo those vehicles so those are the demos um, that our sales executives and our dealer staff drive. Um, so those eventually get put into the pre-owned or used car stock after X period of time, depending on how they've depreciated. Um, but they tend to be newer used vehicles. So <laughs> <laughs> can you finance a used car? I know you can Absolutely. finance a demo, but can you finance a used car? Absolutely. Um, how the deal is structured depends on various aspects and and the banks have got quite um sophisticated scorecards and they look at a lot of aspects they look at the vehicle they look at you the customer they look at your historical um credit rating they look at all sorts of things so so if Brian Joffe wanted to buy a 1963 Beetle over 72 months with no deposit the bank would probably approve it. 
Because <laughs> why would you be financing the carpet? <laughs> okay, but that's, but that's an example. I want to buy. <laughs> well, I can't tell you what you could get because I've got to do your credit assessment for you. So that's, again, the importance is that, that the vehicles are financed. Um, and the, the pre-owned market is, 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 is a big market in, in the motor industry. What are the, the questions to ask? Yes. With a used car versus with a new car. I think that to me is yeah. one of the most important things to know is that yeah. how do I know that I'm actually buying a car that is going to last me for the next five years? No, because it's got donk. Yeah, that, you know, people say, oh no, it's a brilliant car and I drive it out and I lose the back axle. Mm. I think, um, to put things in perspective, the, what we call the franchise dealerships or the bigger groups, uh, we're quite regulated on, on what we sell off our pre-owned stands from a manufacturer perspective. Um, we also have a reputation in the market. Mm. So all of our pre-owned vehicles go through what we call 80, 100, 120-point checks where we assess that vehicle um, before it goes onto our showroom floor and before we on-sell it to a customer. Um, so you're not buying a brand-new vehicle. Okay, and we can't guarantee against wear and tear that might happen in the next six months. Um, because you've got the vehicle for six months and then something goes wrong. We can't guarantee against that, but we are very strict about making sure that before we put those vehicles on our stands and before we resell them to customers that we have gone through the vehicle and we've checked that mechanically that vehicle is sound. So if I'm buying a, and, and in the break you were saying that the thing about used cars or demos is that they have better specs. So for a similar price to a brand new car, you can get a really great version of vehicle. a car. Correct. At cheaper. But then does it get financed in the same kind of ways? Could you finance a, a, a you know, a used vehicle over five years? Yes, absolutely. With a, obviously not going to be with the residual. Absolutely. So again, it depends on the vehicle. It depends on the customer's credit rating on how that vehicle is structured. So if it's a 12 year old vehicle, the bank's not going to probably do it over 72 months with a residual or balloon. Um, because <laughs> in six you years time, it's going to be almost 20 years old. You totally so they're going can't to, afford that car. So, <laughs> so they're going to, they're going to probably do a three or four year term. Um, but I mean, if you're buying a 12 year old vehicle, the installment will be relatively small. So. And Jane, will that, will that, um, secondhand dealership actually have a warranty on that? Or not really? So a lot of the vehicles, um, that are sold have still got the balance of the manufacturer plans. Okay. So whether that's a warranty service or maintenance or a combination or whatever the case might be. But say another car's. 10 years old. 10 years old. There is a warranty that you can buy. The cover will be limited. Sure. Um, because of the age of the vehicle, but you can buy what we call an aftermarket warranty. Okay. Then I need to understand the difference between a maintenance plan, a warranty, wara wara, and, and a service the, plan. And a service plan. Okay. So I'm going to compare it to medical aid. And you have different plans in medical aid. Medical aids offer you hospital plans. That's when something breaks in your body. That is a warranty. Okay. Okay. So that's a manufacturing fault. Correct. So, so whether it's manufacturer or just purely wear and tear, wear and tear breaks. Okay. There's a breakdown. Okay. Okay. That's where a warranty covers. Certain warranties do cover a portion of 
wear and tear. A warranty doesn't cover wear and tear specifically. But if it's the wear and tear relates to the breakdown, they will cover okay. still the portion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Service and maintenance plans. A service plan, so, so a warranty is your hospital plan. A service plan is the next level up. So that covers your servicing of the vehicle, but it doesn't cover any wear and tear items. It only covers. So no tires and stuff. Yeah. So in the, in the owner's book that, that you get when you buy a vehicle, um, and all the different manufacturers have got different terms, but the next to the servicing requirements, it's got, um, let's call it R for replace. That'll be covered by your service plan. I for inspect will not be covered by the service plan. That is check it out. Um, but the service plan will tend to cover labor, filters, oils, that sort of thing in the service and any so that, parts associated with that service that need to be replaced. So that thing that after 15,000 kilometers, That's it, it you ends. have to take the car to Correct. a dealership Correct. and then they're going to do stuff to it Correct. and then you fetch it at the yeah. end of the day. Correct. Okay. And that's what runs out. Correct. Correct. And the maintenance plan is the real McCoy. Um, that covers literally everything <laughs> except fuel and oil Damn. in between services. Um, and generally tires. You can include tires, but it does become quite expensive. It does, hey. Yeah. Okay, so it's the comprehensive plan. It's you don't the, have to that's worry the, about that's that's the king that's, thing. That's that's the one where you walk in, drop in your keys, and say, "Cheers, I'll see you at five. And you know, you don't have to bleed your credit card at five o'clock. Yeah, they're not going to phone you and say, mm. um, "We're going to do this and this and this, but this needs to be replaced and that needs mm. to be done, and this is good." And just by the way, it's going to cost you five and a half grand. Yeah. <gasps> and a lot of a lot of vehicles come with. Well, all, the, all new vehicles come with a manufacturer warranty. Mm. Some vehicles come with a full maintenance plan, which tends to be your premium brands. Some of them come with a service plan. That's it. And where that happens, it's actually not expensive to top that up to a full maintenance plan when you're buying that vehicle. It's not expensive at all because you've already got the manufacturer warranty and service plan in place. So to top it up to a full maintenance is not expensive at all. That's interesting. That's important to know. That's a that's a good one, and I think very important. The thing about because as you then, I mean, we we know that we had a huge financial crash uh, because for a lot of people they were actually living as to use Michelle's term outside above, yeah. Ab- oh, above yeah. is that the word? <laughs> above their means, right? And what's happened with a lot of vehicles like cars are a big badge. For mm, us, correct. South Africans, they're big bad. You, sure. you want to, you know, you want to be seen in the Porsche Cayenne. You want to be seen in the. If you can't have the the three series, you want to be seen in the one series. You know, correct. <laughs> like, it's a thing. It's a thing. And and sometimes we we short other things in order to be able to maintain that installment of correct. three thousand rand or whatever it is. So now you've got the balloon. You've or the residual and you're paying 3000 rands and you're driving the nice car, but it needs to have insurance as you were saying. Yep. It needs to have insurance. It needs to be maintained. It needs to have fuel in the tank. And so we take small insurance, like a little bit of insurance on that. What are the pitfalls okay, the- that you must look out for when you're thinking about the insurance plan Correct. that you take for a financed vehicle? Okay. I think, let me put, to put things in perspective, um, an insurance premium is always linked 
to what the consumer's contribution towards a claim would be, which is commonly known as an excess. So if you underwrite an insurance policy and you say to the customer, the policy is going to cost you 1500 rand a month, uh, but you, the maximum excess you'll have is two and a half thousand rand. Okay, that's too much money for me. Okay, so we can reduce it to a thousand rand, but then your excess is going to be 10 or 15% of the claim. So the more the consumer is prepared to contribute to an insurance payout in the event of a claim, the lower the premium will be. So my advice to your customers out there is to please, when you're looking at insurance, don't go necessarily for the cheapest. Have a look at the terms and conditions um, the excess structures and a lot of the insurers have got additional excesses. So if you've had a license for less than X period, you get penalized. If you are under 25, you get penalized. If it's, if you've got a, a C1 license, you get penalized. Um, all those things add to the excess and, and you need to understand that if you are driving a hundred thousand rand car and all of a sudden you've got a 40% excess, can you afford 40,000 rand to keep that vehicle on the road? And that has to be mm. taken to, into consideration when you're assessing your affordability of the vehicle up front. The worst mistakes you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that love. The worst, mistake, the worst mistake that a girl can do. Walking into that dealership, buying their dream car. What are the worst mistakes? Top five worst mistakes that you have seen customers make. It's off, well, buying a car is a very emotional, it's, it's, it's emotional for a lot of people. Um, and I think sometimes we have to be a little bit more practical. Um, don't overcommit yourselves because you never know what's going to happen. There are always unforeseen, um, occurrences. I know, right? Like I've never had an accident. <laughs> no. And then you like skimp on the insurance. Well, the, then... the, the reality is that the numbers that get bandied about, and that's why insurance is so important is that 70% of the vehicles on our road are not insured. Mm. So if you are out there. Those Porsche Cayennes are not insured? I don't know about the Porsche Cayennes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reality is, is that if you're involved in an accident, 70% of the time, the person who crashes into you, even if it's not your fault, you need insurance because you're not going to be able to claim from them. You've got to then start embarking on civil cases to recover yeah. damages, etc., which could take forever. Okay. Insurance. <laughs> Mistake number one. <laughs> number two. What else? Oof. Just, just on insurance, let me just ask, what is the difference between taking out personal insurance and business insurance. So when they, when they look at your insurances, I think that's very important. Say now, for instance, I'm a commission earner. Correct. So I go and see clients. Correct. So they have to give me business insurance Correct. and personal insurance because I use my vehicle for both. Correct. How do people need to understand the difference between those two and what the benefit is of that? Okay. So the difference really between private and business is private is regarded to work and back and your social travel. Yes. So to the shops. To the movies, to lunch on a Saturday or whatever the case might be. As soon as you're going out and you're utilizing the vehicle to generate an income, it becomes regarded as business use. Sometimes you'll have someone who's predominantly office bound um, and might go out two or three times a month to see clients 
or on business, that would be regarded as semi-business. Um, but your premium is more expensive on business versus semi-business versus private. But another pitfall, I'm going to just make you all aware, do not lie to the underwriters when you're doing your insurance because when it comes time to a claim and their assessors are involved and they pick up that you are using it for business mm. and they've insured you for private, they are entitled to, to repudiate do, yeah. the claim or pay a pro rata portion on the claim. So make sure um, that you properly insured. The other pitfall is, is that uh, a youngster will be buying a car and the parent insures it on their insurance policy and says that they're the main driver to get a cheap premium. But mm-hmm. when the assessors come, they realize and it's a that 20 year old, 20 year old has been to <laughs> university every day and is joining at night with his friends yeah. and they repudiate the claim. So you need to be honest. Please guys, um, you know, that, that's something, sorry, I'm a preacher as far as that's concerned. I'm always saying to people, please rather be honest because at the end of the day, if you're not, and the repudiation takes place, Correct. you actually have no leg to stand on. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, big time. Absolutely. Yeah. The worst thing about insurance. <laughs> but I think, I think in a nutshell, take the time mm. to understand what you're getting into and spend time with the people who are qualified to advise you um, and give you your specific transaction structured to your specific requirements. Yeah. Pumi, you know, and I think this is so important that we've actually had Jane on today because she's just highlighted for us how the industry has changed. And remember, people always used to joke about a, a used car salesperson. You know, yeah. if you haven't got anything else to do, the same thing with financial advisors. You know, if you've got nothing else to do, become a financial advisor or a broker. Yeah. But the industry has really regulated us to mm. such an extent that this has become a profession. Correct. It is not a smos. And it's not a second car salesperson. And, and, and I think that's really important for people to understand. And I think to add to that, um, which I think is a very good point, is that the legislation that's mm. been developed over the last how many years? Ten, Ten years. years yeah. Is to protect the customer. Yeah. Um, and all the legislation um, that governs our industry has a common thread in that it's honesty, integrity, transparency. Mm-hmm. And in, interwoven into all of that legislation is a concept called treating customers fairly. Um, and we are highly regulated and we cannot afford financially or from a, from a business perspective to, or a compliance perspective, from a compliance yeah. perspective to actually buck the system because yeah. the implications are massive. And I think on the, on, on the flip side of that is to say, you know, if you are governed by integrity and honesty and transparency, then it's important as a cu- customer to do the same. Yes. <laughs> you just Don't lie. Honest. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> no, absolutely. But the, 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 I think the difficult thing sometimes for the, for the, the sales team and the, and the finance and insurance is that, um, the customer wants X and then they'll manipulate information yes. to get whatever they want. And it's, and it's, you know, it, it gets caught out. Jane, thank you so much. You know, I think that the one thing that I, I definitely have never thought about is the fact that, you know, you do it for the house. You you kind of get a pre-assessment to see, you know, but you don't do it for the car. So it's important yes. that even before you excite yourself about getting a car and the Correct. kind of car you can get, just sit down with somebody and Correct. find out. And know if you can actually afford it. And know Correct. what kind of car you yes. can afford or how much 
yes, you can actually afford correct. on a car. So there's a lot of there's a lot of work that has to be done beforehand. So thank you, thank you, Jane. It's a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time off the shop floor to come chat with us. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. <laughs> Michelle, do you feel better? Do you feel like we're going to live within our means now? No, people don't. We're going to try, Michelle. We're We're going to try. We're one step better. We're one step better for it. (laughs) Do you know what? Knowledge is power. (laughs) And as long as you have the knowledge and you have the integrity, the honesty and the transparency, you're good. One step better for it. I'm Pumi Mashekho. You've been listening to Umandla and we've been chatting about cars and financing cars <laughs> and how all those other people afford the expensive cars. I'll be back next week. Thanks for hanging out. Bye-bye. This is CliffCentral.com.